Do you find yourself searching for true crime podcasts that are different from what you're always recommended? Do you want to make a real difference in the cases that you're following? Well, you're a crime junkie. And I'm Ashley Flowers the creator and host of the number one true crime podcast, Crime Junkie. There are hundreds of episodes already available, and each Monday we dive into the details of cases spanning from some of the most infamous to those that you have never heard covered before. Listen to Crime Junkie podcast now, wherever you're listening. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Ah. Oh, yes! <laughs> uh, <laughs> welcome. 14 million years in the past seems to pass so fast. Uh-huh. <laughs> I am Ananda. <laughs> I was the High Treasurer of Lemuria. Oh and my it is goodness. a welcoming, welcoming presence to be back here on the petty third dimension. <laughs> wow, well, I feel very comfortable right now. I feel like I'm in the presence of a god. Welcome. I must tell you this, Uh-oh. Benjamin. Is that okay. how it's pronounced yes, in your ben- petty third dimensional world? I don't, know why, I don't know why you're criticizing the third dimensional world, but yeah, that's it. Six foot seven? Yeah, hmm. that's, that's correct. And Lemuria... We were 12 feet tall, and we had to shrink ourselves from 60 feet tall. (laughs) And I can help you change this and get back to your true potential. And all you have to do is go to MLSProductions.com and spend $39.95 on my new crystal set that you can rub on your swollen (laughs) knees and your thick knobby shins filled with these blood clots. We yes. will get rid oh, of right. them. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everybody. I feel like Andy Kaufman. <laughs> I, I'm totally cured because of these gems. I am Ben Kitzel. That's Marcus Parks. Hey, hey. We got Henry Zabrowski. Uh, <laughs> apparently, when you join the third dimension, you get these things called morning <laughs> boners. Which I hear when you're living with your Uh sister. It is very embarrassing, nay, naughty to do. Leave your bedroom with a full morning. (laughs) All right. Well, a little insight into Henry's life living with Jackie Zabrowski there in Los Angeles on today's episode. It's me. It's Henry Zabrowski. In case you haven't picked up on it, today's episode is all about Lemuria, which I've had a fascinating time finding uh, the YouTube videos. Very good robots. Best narrators of all time. There's a lot of robot narration. There's a lot of uh, Tempe, Arizona, Sedona, Arizona based Entertainment. This yes. is like really like if you want to go like if, if where where the desert is Hollywood. It's the production <laughs> studios for the various Lemuria YouTube videos that exist. Absolutely. Well, the lost land of Lemuria is said to be one of the two antediluvian continents that existed both before and alongside the more famously known continent of Atlantis. Hmm. Um, could you? Please define antediluvian. <laughs> antediluvian. Antediluvian means before the great flood. Oh. oh. There you go, Henry. It means before the great flood. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, you mean um, uh, the, the, we're like how my mat is dry before I get into the bathtub? Hello. <laughs> so Lemuria 
uh, it's it's sort of like um, I don't know. It's like Saint Paul to the Atlantis Minneapolis. <laughs> is that right? Is there like a little brother syndrome that Lemuria might have? Well, there's. It's actually a little bit more complicated than that. Okay, we'll get okay. into it. All right. But unlike Atlantis, which was first alluded to in 360 BC by Plato, Lemuria is a fairly modern myth, and that is a big part of the Lemuria story. It's just as much a tale of how a modern myth is created out of nothing as it is the history of three-eyed telepathic beings who breathe through their skin and now communicate telepathically with guys named Fred. Of course. <laughs> Naturally. Out. Yeah. Why do you um, even have to say it, Marcus? I already knew all of that. This is ch- uh, a very now what's becoming a tradition at last podcast on the left, um, which is this is information that is going to make you more difficult to speak to. This is information that is um, uh, it's horseshit. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I'm starting to believe. I am like literally starting to believe all this stuff, and then at some point, it's all going to turn, and you guys are going to be like, "It was a joke, Ben." And you're like, well, then why am I wearing garbage bags? If it's all a joke. You with garbage bags. You with the tiara with a big basalt crystal on the top of it. You got a ticket to Tempe. I was told my blood clots were going to be cured. <laughs> so geographically, Lemuria was six thousand miles wide and three thousand miles long. The continent sunk into the ocean between. 12 and 25,000 years ago, depending on your source, and sources are plentiful on this one. Because all you got to do is say your source. All you have to do is be vaguely tan. You could be any race. You could be Mm -hmm. Greek, Italian, uh, and and just say you're Mayan. And then you just show, and then you have a whole blog, oh, and that's is. a source. Yeah, it's like Ema Sumac, the uh, musician in the, uh, I think it was in the 50s, uh, that claimed that she was a Mayan princess. Beautiful voice, wonderful right. musician. Turns out, Queens. Ah, from Queens, <laughs> huh? Queens. And that's with them. But Queens is the most diverse city in the entire world. So maybe there was a little bit of Maya in there. And then when you're in Queens, it's like you're <laughs> it feels that way sometimes. I like it. Now, besides the standard Bibliotheca Pleiades and the bad font, bad background websites, we also use the Lemuria entry in Man, Myth, and Magic and the Bob Frizzell book, Nothing in This Book is True, But It's Exactly the Way Things Are. I am confused. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> But I like that. No, it's true to always hold the two right. thoughts in your head, right? That reality is reality and reality is an illusion. And let that confuse you all the time to the point that ah, you're a bus I driver. See. Another, good, um, <laughs> another good outline that I've been using is a book called The Lost Land of Lemuria by Samathi Ramaswamy. And it is a highly intellectual book that he's trying to put a lot of real information in, but it's Impossible okay. to get through. And he has this thing called um, uh, labors of loss, which is what he talks about, uh, why there are so many different uh, types of, of, of histories and fascinations put on to hmm. lost continents. And it's very interesting, and I will throw All right, Henry, i got to ask you, percentage-wise, how many of the books that you have read and or purchased are self-published? <laughs> <laughs> This was published in a by a publishing company called California. <laughs> I think that's the state of the public library you stole it from. <laughs> I literally have so many books with loose bindings because it was made in a basement. But before we get to all those sources, let's start our journey to the land of Lemuria with its kind of sort of scientific origins. Mm. The name Lemuria was actually birthed from evolutionary science. 
back when the whole discipline was newish, a zoologist named Philip Sclatter was trying to figure out why the fossils of lemurs were found on opposite sides of the Indian Ocean, but none were found in between. Hmm. Yeah, because lemurs are being all cute Mm -hmm. in Madagascar, but they also found a bunch of lemur bones, which I also bet are pretty cute (laughs) in India. interesting. Sclatter postulated that a land bridge once existed between Africa and Asia with lemurs aplenty all the way across. Uh, it's so it cute. A- That's so cute. All the little lemurs <laughs> jumping around. And there's so few. There's few other places. I was looking up lemurs. It's hard to find lemurs in other parts of the world. They're just in this little section. And it's so cute. And they make funny little noises. And they play songs like in the movie Madagascar. They made a, just a bridge for the lemurs. Well, they didn't make a bridge for the lemurs. It's a land it's bridge. A- it was a naturally yeah. occurring bridge. I mean, it was a large. I mean, it was trampled ground. <laughs> yeah. Is it yeah. trampled ground? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, no, it was just an island. It just was a country. They're just saying land bridge because they're just saying there was land in between India and now, Madagascar. Do, do, at some do they point, sing they think. when they walk across <laughs> it? Oh yeah, it's all. <laughs> I love it. Like it's, good. it's all of that. It's a lot of shimmying, a lot of lemurs playing bongos. You got a fake lemur king. You got a cute little like Ooh. lemur lady who's like weirdly huh. sexy. And I don't like that when they do that with Disney cartoons, like the squirrel and the King Arthur one. That's like technically is kind of cute in a weird. I only <laughs> like it because it messes with your brain so much. <laughs> and so yes. Sclatter, in honor of the creatures who inspired his research, he named this hypothetical land Lemuria. Cool. Well, it's so much better than Stinky Tiny Monkey Bridge, which is what originally he wanted long, to call it. It's a little it. long. Can you shorten it at all? Can you shorten it? Now, when this theory was put forth in 1864, it wasn't implausible or even stupid. It was actually a pretty good idea with the information they had at the time. Hmm. But, as we all know, the most likely reason for the separating of the lemurs was continental drift. Ah. Also because they thought that the roads were paved with cheese in India. The problem is continental drift as a scientific concept wasn't established until 1912. That means there was a full 40 years in between that people could plug in whatever wacky bullshit they wanted into the theory of Lemuria. And we're going to see that that's a main theme in the book, The Lost Land of Lemuria, that what they said is what's interesting. I think there's a fascination with lost continents, Mm -hmm. and we're going to see it again and again, because when you have a... We have expanded as a race to all corners of the world. There's no mysteries anymore. There's no hidden frontiers anymore. So when you have a really good idea of being like, well, where do we put all of our weird esoteric thought? We'll put it in a fake island that doesn't exist anymore. And we just mm-hmm. say it blew up. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Well, one of the first people to plug that information in was Hitler's favorite occultist, Madame Helena Blavatsky. Oh. She was really trying to play down... That tagline. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Hitler's favorite occultist. Ah, let's just it. say. Let's just say a lot of people liked me. Okay. Let's just say. And like any good bullshitter, Blavatsky was a genius at inserting just enough science into her beliefs to make it all sound plausible, especially in 1888 when she wrote about all this in her book, The Secret Doctrine. Hmm. Now, remember, The Secret Doctrine is the basis for all Western occultism that exists, right? It's like all of the tidbits, every single idea of ancient aliens, all of this was kind of buried in this gigantic rambling book that if you attempt to read, again... 
You're just going to be stupid afterwards. <laughs> you're gonna you're just going to end up like it's what it's becoming to me. I can't find my keys ever. I'm yeah. filled up to the, my receding hairline with Lemuria facts, <laughs> and I just can't find the dog shit bags. I'm yeah. walking around looking for the dog shit bags. That'll happen. That'll happen. That'll happen. It happens all the That'll time. Happen. Blavatsky. Blavatsky. Not an attractive last name. Sounds like <laughs> when John Candy played his sister in Nothing But Trouble, Drink. finish your beer unless you're driving. That's a Nothing But Trouble reference. And guess what? We're bringing that Rotten Tomatoes meter up to 22%. We're doing a whole thing. We're doing a change.org petition on page seven. That's our uh, celebrity and entertainment show to bring the Rotten Tomatoes score of Nothing But Trouble from 8% to 22%. John Candy plays four characters. That's a rascal. Come on. He plays two characters. Dan Aykroyd plays two characters. Who's who's Bobo and Dobo? Bobo and Lil Devil? Well, Dan Aykroyd plays Bobo. I can't remember the guy that played Lil Devil. He's lost. To the the other guy, I, I am. The other guy was just some guy that was on the only other movie he was in was Ghostbusters, and he played a bit part in that. And then I do believe. All he right. Oh, really? Yeah. Twenty-two <laughs> percent Rotten Tomatoes. Get that number up there in honor of the guy who played. What was it? Little Devil. Little Devil. Little Devil. And back to uh, Blavatsky and the Nazis and all the pseudoscientific bullshit. By extension, the Nazis took all this shit a step further. Mm. Hitler just didn't spend a lot of time in his speeches talking about the egg-laying hermaphrodites, who will get to later. Do you think he crossed it out of every speech? He was just like, I'm going to work it. I said it again. This is off message. Off message. Wait a second. Can we say the Jews lay the eggs? No, Hitler, no, I mean, I don't. It's a fun idea. We all agree it's a fun idea, don't we? Hmm. Well, so if you'll remember from our Nazi occult episodes, Blavatsky had quite a bit to say about the so-called root races. Mm. The first was composed of etheric energy, naturally called the astral etheric race. They would reproduce by dividing, like amoeba. Also called the Polarians. Mm-hmm. And huh. they were soft, and they could take the shape of any animal that they liked. And they did that as a hobby. And all of this is real. That's and not awesome. just made up. Wow. I, I think I would be a hedgehog. <laughs> You could be. I could see that because you're prickly on the outside, but on the inside, you're soft and vulnerable. You get a soft belly. That's very true. <laughs> well, from the astral etheric race came the Hyperboreans. 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 We had a long argument about this on the phone yesterday. Okay. It's Hyperboreans. 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 <laughs> it's, it's H-Y-P-E-R-B-O-R-E-A-N-S. Hyperboreans. You're saying Hyperboreans. What are you saying? Henry? Hyperboreans. I, Marcus, don't get mad at me. Oh. I think technically Henry is because it's the O. No, well, and yeah. you know what? You know what you get for that? <laughs> I get a full titty slap. A full titty slap. Congratulations to myself. <laughs> well, the Hyperboreans lived in the cold climate areas of Earth like Greenland, Iceland, Scandinavia, and northern Canada. Now, remember, when they talk about the root races, the idea is that humankinds have been, like, there was a concept that the Earth was a giant conscious mm-hmm. entity, that energies would, would came we were, and we sort were of we, seeded by intelligence just from the universe, right? Hmm. So this is Blavatsky's idea. So we went through these root stages, and basically this is about the fate of mankind. We're supposed to get to the seventh race of human, which is then we would truly surpass. We would become truly evolved and be able to jump from Earth and become pure energy. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, we're, let's go back to the second race. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. I'm All sorry. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, in the, when the second race existed, the Earth had not yet tilted on its axis. So therefore, the entire planet was a tropical paradise. Oh, that's kind of fun. But instead of being ethereal, the Hyperboreans were fleshy with golden yellow skin. Mm. Yeah. Is it weird? It makes me think of a sun choke. <laughs> and I like them. Well, they called themselves the Kimpersia. Oh. And they reproduced more like plants through budding. Okay. that's So not as fun as the other ones. Not as fun. Well, it, it might be more fun. Budding sounds better than dividing. Well, they just, they hadn't invented fucking yet. And that brings us to the third race, Lemurians. Ooh. Here's where things get weird. This is where it gets weird. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, so far it's been normal. At first, the Lemurians were just beings of jelly, but they eventually... Mm-hmm. <laughs> jelly. <laughs> oh, jelly. Oh, stop dipping your crackers in me. <laughs> you are a bean of jelly. Oh. I, I, I will dip my cracker in would that, that would be fucking... You just, like, show your loose skin. You and I both have the bottom <laughs> loose skin, and you just go like, come dip your crackers in my jelly. <laughs> and they have to say yes because they're celebrating us. That's right. <laughs> Well, they eventually morphed into something much more solid. According to CrystalLinks.com, Blavatsky believed that the first Lemurians were ape-like egg-laying hermaphrodites hmm. who communicated by mental telepathy through a literal third eye. And they also had an eye on the back of their heads that could see the future. That's kind of <laughs> strange. That's cool, though. All real. Yeah, four eyes. Yeah. Huh. And eventually they developed into more acceptable-looking human-like characters after they separated the sexes, which led to sex due to their constant desire to be hermaphrodites again, mm. which led to their downfall. Now, this seems to be where Blavatsky's interpretations of Lemuria ends. And, of course, she continued with the Atlanteans as the fourth race and the Aryans as the fifth, given mm. the Nazis their dumb shit nerdy background story that always seems to stop just short of the three-eyed apes. Hmm. But that was by no means the last interpretation of Sclatter's scientific theory. Two years before Blavatsky, a different theory using a different name for the continent was put forth by an archaeologist named Augustus Le Plongion. Plongion! <laughs> it does mean it means August the Plunger. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, I you gotta trust this guy like, so far. Why do you have to trust with Le Plongion? With a name like the Le Plongion? <laughs> what is it? Le Plongion. Le Plongion? Uh-huh. You would be the biggest, stinkiest mark in France. Because every single time we bring up a fucking French name, you're all like, ooh. Like, it's fancy. Like, they know more. They They don't know know more. more. They're one of the first societies. Le Plongyong claimed that he had deciphered ancient Mayan writings that proved that the Mayans had originated from the lost civilization of Mu, Hmm. spelled M-U. And it wasn't just the Mayans, either. The Great Egyptian Age is but a remnant of the Lemurian culture. And according to Le Plongion, the Queen of the Moos, named Queen Moo, spelled M-O-O, <laughs> traveled... Which she no, did not appreciate. Not that, they, that they changed that name yep. in the future. Because well, that's, that's a Mu shame. Queen Moo traveled to Egypt, where she became known as the goddess Isis. Oh. And all this was outlined in Le Plongion's book, Queen Moo and the Egyptian Sphinx. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sounds like yes, the world's like worst erotica. <laughs> it does. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> I, I traveled all the way from the land of Moo just to get my toes sucked by you, Pharaoh Big Dickamus. <laughs> yeah, is- yeah, yeah. I'm Pharaoh Big Dickamus. Let me suck on your big old feet. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suck on my feet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. You, you wouldn't believe the book I was reading in the car wash today, Becky. It was uh, pretty intense stuff. I got some ideas for the bedroom if we... Uh... Hot to track. Well, unfortunately for Le Plongion, his translation of the Mayan language was completely and totally wrong. Oh. His biggest mistake was using mm. letters that didn't even exist, there as is. he completely confused language with simple decoration. Yes, he okay. took drawings. It's like he read a thing of Calvin and Hobbes, right. and it was just been like magic tigers everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Furthermore, Le Plongion didn't even translate it himself. He outsourced it to a guy named Brajeur de Borberg. Uh, de Borberg. De Borberg. Okay. <laughs> and Borberg obviously had no idea what he was doing as well. According to one of his ancestors, Borberg was not translating because he knew the language. He was just translating from a spirit that was speaking through him who assured Borberg that he definitely knew what was going on. Yeah, because the spirit inside always have to be super confident about their message because <laughs> they know for themselves that they don't exist. Yep. <laughs> I like it though. So he, it's a it's a series of make em ups. It really is, man. Wow. It always has been. <laughs> That's the problem. I'm sitting here constantly reading, trying to like bring all the circle back, trying to understand right. more and more. And I was like, oh yeah, all this is fucking made up by <laughs> con man and idiots. Isn't that how something gets created though? You have to make it. And then this is bringing it no, higher. There's, there's, bringing there's it actual history. That's chaos that, magic. That's chaos magic. Making it. There's actual history, though, that we can look to as what happened in the past. Alternative facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Facts are useless, Marcus. Welcome to 2017. Now you can stream the live TV you love for just 40 bucks a month with Sling TV. Get your favorite channels and shows for the best price. If you want live sports, Sling has all the football playoffs and pro and college basketball. Stay up to date with breaking news from around the world with MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. Sling also has reality, TV, popular entertainment, kid shows, and more. Sling costs almost half as much as other live TV providers, so you can watch more and pay less. Sling is easy. Sign up in minutes, stream at home or on the go on up to three devices, and record up to 50 hours with included DVR space. Get flexible channel lineups that put you in control. Pause, change, or cancel your service at any time. You'll never get locked into a long-term contract. Check out Sling.com for special offers. Sling, the live TV you love for a price you'll love. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace! With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website, all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. Um, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved. 
Okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothes, what we also are going to offer you, and I mean this, we're trying to get into draft rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses. Take pictures of the horses. Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse. Ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. If you were in a horror movie, this would be the part where the used car you just bought doesn't start. But you're not in a horror movie, and you found your car on Carfax.com. Carfax can help you know if the car has been in any accidents and how much it's worth based on its history. Take the scary out of car shopping. Shop Carfax at the all-new Carfax.com. Well, it wasn't until decades later that the document Le Plongion based his moo findings on was properly translated, after which it was found to be nonsense garbage. Ah. But in the interval, a British inventor named James Churchward picked up the ball and ran with it as fast as he could, laying the framework for the lost civilization that is still built upon to this day. Cool. And these books were pretty popular in the day. Yeah. Like, these were like, that was the reason why it gained a lot of traction is because people were really fascinated with lost continents. So these fake, these books filled with bullshit, not unlike what we have read on this show for other topics, get out there and be like, quick. If you don't believe in alien abductions, it's the it's the equivalent of Whitley Strieber's Communion, yeah. mm. where it was like these books would come out and uh, they they would go fucking viral, and a bunch of people would buy them, and then that's how the the uh, the rumors stay alive. Yeah. yeah. Well, why wouldn't there be a lost continent though? Sunk down there because there's no evidence <laughs> for it. Well, we no have evidence been, for it. That's it's the not problem. explored. The ocean's not explored. Ninety-eight percent, they say, not explored. But that is true. It's, that is. You all, you all know my other science fact. I, what is it? Mars is the only planet currently occupied by robots. <laughs> Interesting. There's no human beings, so that's like the planting. They're seeding robots on Mars, and then they will have a. Let them have it. <laughs> anyway, those are my two science facts. Well, at the age one's of, more of a question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the age of 75, James Churchward wrote an article in the New York American newspaper about the lost continent of Mu. Hmm. In his interpretation, Mu was located in the Pacific Ocean, not the Indian. For example, Hawaii and Easter Island are but a remnant of the Moo culture. Okay. So after the article, Churchward wrote a five-volume series on the subject of Moo. The first was The Lost Continent of Moo, in which Churchward claimed that the biblical Garden of Eden was actually Moo. He called it the motherland of man. But this is also at the time when they were having a massive appeal. Like, there was a movement saying that the Garden of Eden was in China. Um, And that's just even believing that there was... A goddamn Garden of Eden. Right. <laughs> Which is, this was a big thing that he said, this was big, I found the Garden of Eden, but you have to first believe that that's real. And at yes. the time, they're all like, oh yeah, oh yeah, it was a thing. I am quite stunned there is no fast food buffet chain called Garden of Eden, E-A-T-I-N, <laughs> but also, did you guys see Pat Robertson, the grandfather of lunacy on the religious end? He came against the 6,000-year-old uh, Earth recently, very bizarre, saying that he doesn't believe in Garden of, uh, Garden of Eden. Really? Very weird, yeah. Anyway. 
Well, after the lost continent of Mu came the children of Mu, the sacred symbols of Mu, the cosmic forces of Mu, and the second book of the cosmic forces of Mu. <laughs> Gotta have that fifth book in there. The problem is it's always the fifth book is when the series goes bad. Yeah. Like the God Emperor of Dune. Mm. It's always the fifth book where, well, to, to, honestly, I liked I liked God Emperor of Dune. But, but there's they, a lot of people, but the fifth book is when the space Jews came into yeah. to Dune as well. So that's, the, it's a lot of stuff. And the orgasms, and the, the orgasm uh, witches, that was the other one where the yeah. guy's dick was too strong to, to be controlled by the orgasm witches. Huh. Yeah, that's, I, I thought that was where, the, where it just got super anti-Semitic there. When you're, <laughs> no, no, you're no, 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 it's, it's just, not. again, yeah. it got Semitic. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm going to okay. do the same bit. Yeah, yes. it's, it's not, it's not anti-Semitic at all. Just because they exist doesn't make it anti-Semitic. Okay. Yeah, I didn't say the Jews came and 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 aborted the all of the children super super <laughs> late. It's like it's not they didn't come and steal. That's, you know, like I, they were just there. Good. They were just a part that's of the tapestry. Good. Well, one of Churchward's main claims, and the one that modern Lemurian scholars use the most, was that Mu was the home of an advanced civilization called the Nakal. And according to Churchward, about a thousand years before Lemuria sank, two Lemurians named Ai and Tia decided mm. to share the secrets of immortality and opened up the Nikal Mystery School. Cool. They taught that immortality was achieved through the process of ascension, making Ai and Tia the first ascended masters. Mm. Now, Henry, you have much more to say about the ascended masters. There's a lot to unpack <laughs> when it comes to the ascended masters. This is a thing I went down. Uh, I went down a long rabbit hole of, and it's a lot of believing that people using charms and and different things going ding dong ding and sitting on basalt. It's a lot of basalt chairs. A lot of basalt is used in this for some reason. Um, portable atomic accelerators th mm. that they're also called. They sit on a box that they call the portable atomic accelerator and they talk to alien intelligences that tell them information about the past. The Ascended Masters in the end is just how much are you willing to believe a 50-year-old woman who up until this point has not had a <laughs> right. job? Um, where it's like, because it's people, there's a whole, there's several whole religions based upon Ascended Masters. There's the I Am Society, which does believe, it, and it's also, the I Am Society believe in a thing called the Bridge to Freedom, which I do believe L. Ron Hubbard used during his okay. occult teachings, because it's during the 1950s. This was a side thing to what would be the birth of Scientology, was a lot of this, people talking to alien intelligence and believing they're getting information that we couldn't possibly know without All right. talking and to also aliens. just to, uh, to, to add my point of view, the Ascension, it's also a tag team in the WWE right now. <laughs> they're kind of a poor man's yeah, legion of this doom. Is not, this is uh, not the place That is for my this. personal opinion. They're no animal or hawk, but they're trying to be, and uh, we'll give them some credit for that. But through Ascended Masters, we'll meet people such as High Priest Germain, um, Adama, who's another one, and then we have a lot of people. O Aurelia Louise Jones, if you just want to go over to the Mount Shasta Light Publishing <laughs> Company and see all of the various where she has to sell, the meditation things that she could sell in order to... Yeah. You have to give her money to talk to the Ascended Masters. I did just but fast forward to you like 20 years when you're the pitch man for that website, and that's the exact <laughs> energy and the emotion you give to it. I will definitely go through a, a sheer yet shiny robe phase where I wear tiaras with crystals and I'm it like, it to. will happen. So the big question here, how did Churchward know all this? 
the big question here is, so how did church word know all this? My only job on this show is to ask, the, can I just do something? Well, back in the late 19th century, church word was in India participating in famine relief work. There, he met a Hindu priest whose name remains a mystery. They call me ice cream. <laughs> Let's just, we'll just skip naming you in the book. But my name is ice cream. <laughs> That's kind of Much funny. Much joy have I. Everybody say, they come to village, and everybody say, ice cream for ice cream. And I hear them, and sometimes they say, please stop screaming for ice cream, so that I may sleep. We're going to rename him. His name remains a mystery. It's a long one, but it's a straight one. Well, that priest told Churchward that he was privy to knowledge of a lost civilization, the Nikal. And in addition to that, the priest even knew the Nikal's dead language, meaning the priest could interpret a series of stone tablets that also detailed the Nikal's history. Cool. Now, at first, the priest had no desire to share the information with Churchward. <laughs> no, you get no. No, I certainly won't show it to you, Mr. Churchward. Never, <laughs> ever. <laughs> but somehow, Churchward, according to his book, tricked the priest into showing him the tablets and teaching him the dead language. Hey, uh, ice cream. <laughs> yes, ice cream. <laughs> You're funny, Mr. Churchward. <laughs> Here's five bucks. Here are all of my secrets. Modern economic trickery. <laughs> from there, Churchward was able to put what he learned from the priest together with other various ancient carvings and symbols from ancient civilizations, and boom, you got a moo. Boom. Well, there's a problem is that he had two tablets, the Nicol tablets, who were supposed to tell this whole story, and uh, no one could see him. And they were put in a basement that no other white man was ever allowed to go into. Uh -huh. And so they were kept separate always. And so we just made sure. I mean, and this is just about trusting, trusting the work that church word did. And I think that in the end, we're doing him a disservice by not trusting him. I'm trusting him. <laughs> I also uh, just imagined, uh, you know, my wife giving birth to our first child and then the doctor saying, boom, you got to move. <laughs> and and I, I punched the doctor in his face. Well, even though there was trickery involved between Churchward and the priest, the priest eventually became Churchward's guru, huh. and the two were able to More communicate. Like Gourmu. Gour <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna Get go. The fuck out of here! I actually, I'm gonna go eat at this new place called Garden of Eden. You're not helping. You're not helping the audience understand. Well, eventually, the two were able to communicate with each other using what Churchward called quote cosmic telegraphy, like how. The mice talk to each other oh. in Fievel Goes West. It's another <laughs> Fievel reference for I me love for Fievel. some reason. I love well, the priest and Churchward, they also, they had adventures together. Oh. They would travel back in time together to visit previous incarnations of themselves. Oh. Yeah, that's kind of cute. It's like the high school episodes of a sitcom in like a third season. When they go back, they all <laughs> <Yeah>. have afros. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like when Monica would go back and visit herself when she was overweight. Yeah. Remember that? I yes. remember that. But why would you want to go back and visit yourself? Isn't that a little, that's a little self-centered. Well, you're not it? visiting yourself. You're visiting previous incarnations of yourself. So it is yourself, but also not yourself. 
Yeah, back when you were like the dopiest giraffe of the <laughs> tribe. Or I'll back never when forget. you were the, the drunkest shaman in the, in the village. I'll never forget you know? the day I realized I was too tall for society. I scraped the top of my head on the bottom of a stop sign. <laughs> and I swear to God, it, I, I was bald at the time because we all shaved our, set, uh, our heads for football in seventh grade. And I had a streak of blood and scar. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not meant for the world. And then I realized I, I can't walk underneath stop signs. Why do I also feel that... Um, the entire Lemuria saga up to this point, which churchward was churchward was just one of the subjects at one of like, you know how they, they do like the torture sessions at the end of, uh, of impractical jokers mm. that it was just the Nicole brothers version of impractical jokers <laughs> where it just, he had the three brothers on the other side, like watching through a television, just going like, okay, okay. Now tell him, tell him that they were fucking blobs. <laughs> didn't know how to fuck yet. <laughs> He has to keep a straight face. Okay, now lick the hot dog and try to sell it to him. Lick the hot dog in front of him, and yep, yeah, yep, and then try to sell it to him. Try to sell it. Those guys are actually very sweet. The impractical joker I, guys. I, are great. That is yeah. my guiltiest pleasure. <laughs> so we can all agree that Moo is a pretty fucking goofy name for a lost civilization, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, mystics agreed, and by the mid-20th century, those people, specifically Edgar Cayce, began to once again refer to it as Lemuria, Hmm. conveniently ignoring that the origin of the name was owed to that adorable prosimian called the lemur. Wow. We should have given some credit back to the lemurs. At some point, we're forgetting about the lemurs of this whole fucking thing. So over the years, dozens if not hundreds of writers and angel fire domain dwellers have made contributions to the story of Lemuria. Now things may get a little murky from here on out. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's murky. It's been pretty clean water so far. Nice and clear. See to the bottom of it. We're going to try our best to keep it on track, though. Yes, yes. So I'm going to be laser focused. I swear to God, dog man. <laughs> I'm going to be super laser focused. Let's try to really tell this story. Uh, Gordon Michael Scallion said... <laughs> Dumb name. Bad, already bad. Already, already very You bad. just derailed it because his name is a food. That, it, 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 it's bad. already done. You're bad. It just changed the name. You can't be a type of onion and have me expect <laughs> to take you seriously. Literally 14 seconds ago. Laser focused. I was like, This bro- guy's got a last name that si- sounds like a food. Anyway, let's talk about that for 10 minutes. Well, also... His name is Gordon Dash Michael, which means he demands to be called Gordon Michael at all uh, times. Gordon Michael, and yes, it is scallion like the onion. <laughs> smell me. Just smell me. Do I smell like an onion? Well, he said that the Lemurians began as a projection of 144 soul groups comprised of 33 million souls from Mars, the Pleiades, and Sirius. Okay. Some chose to live in the water, but others went for the plant, mineral, or animal kingdoms. Those who went with the animal kingdom took the space above ground and hung out with the giants, elves, and presumably gnomes that already existed on Earth before the 144 soul groups arrived. That's where you want to be. Yeah! Yeah, you bet there were fucking gnomes! (laughs) Oh, my... Yeah, you know what I love about these blobs? I could fucking cram my whole tiny dick into one of them, and they all love it. They say, oh, like, yeah, you fucking blob. You take it all the way down to my fucking berries. Wow, Terry the No making an yeah. appearance out of nowhere. Terry, it's been so long. What have you been up to? I, I... This is my Vegas, baby, yeah. Wow, Terry the Gnome, what have you been up to? Can I just ask you one question? Fucking drinking. Smoking and being <laughs> smart. Wow. 
So the above-ground Lemurians were nine feet tall and had scaly skin that changed from blue to green depending on the season. Hmm. They had long oval faces, big eyes with vertical pupils, and breathed through their skin. Others say that Lemuria was inhabited by a wide array of species, including the angelic, extraterrestrial, and elemental varieties. Hmm. And since these creatures were more connected to the Earth than we are, they lived, on average... About twenty to 30,000 years. Wow. All of this is true. And again, remember, this does sort of fit into a lot of other uh, stories about ancient aliens. Because this is kind of, this is pre-pre-prehistory. This is even before the Sumerians. What we're looking at is this is the first experiment of the aliens and whatever life was on Earth at the time, which is this weird primi- primitive Lemurian fern gully-like life huh. that they come and speak to. Like like all, like all everything is the, the poor unfortunate souls from The Little Mermaid. Oh. And they're all living <laughs> on the Earth, and aliens are just hanging out with them, thinking, oh, this is super cool. We're going to give them a bunch of shit. We're going to teach them about how to live, and mm-hmm. then things go bad, but we'll get into that. And, and Ursula is like Queen Moo. <laughs> yes. It all comes together. Yes. Yes, Kissel. You would you are making fun, but technically you are correct. No, I because you're using Disney references, so I understand. <laughs> well, the reason why the Lemurians lived for so long was because if they got sick, they could realign their energies, cleanse their chakras, and heal themselves, although sometimes they needed the help of a plant or animal friend. Ugh. What? That's, That's what you mean, be a little plant doctor. <laughs> I just imagined most... Shove them in their weird cloaca pussies, being like, <laughs> "This is the only way to heal." And it's just the poor little hedgehogs running around, just being like, "I sure wish I didn't have to always fuck these things back into hell." <laughs> it's a tough time, yeah. Now, when all these different species mixed together, they became the Lemurian peoples. Hmm. Still, others say that the Lemurians started off as fifth-dimensional beings. Hmm. As they were of the fifth dimension, they had no memory to speak of. And since they had no memory, they had no language, and instead communicated with each other using natural sounds. What does that mean? (laughs) 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 What's that? The Garden of Eden is $3.99 all-you-can-eat on Fridays. (laughs) Well, eventually they did develop a language, and YouTube is full of people who know how to channel it. Yeah, it's easy, Marcus. You should fucking have a moment. If we weren't so stressed out all the time and constantly Uh, working, we too could learn how to contact Lemuria. All right. That is true. Now, here (laughs) is an example of the Lemurian language called Salaramaru, as it was spoken thousands upon thousands of years ago. If you can't tell, she's a woman wearing a vest. <laughs> Just so you know, she's wearing a vest. Not just, she could be Greek, she could be Italian. Honestly, just looking at her, and you know she says she's Lemurian. (laughs) This goes on for another minute and a half. There is something, it's comforting. It's a comforting sound. It's it's a German in a strange way, isn't it? Doesn't it sound a little German? I don't find German to be comforting. (laughs) No, I understand that, but when you say it like this, well, that's a good point. But uh, what I will say about... um, uh, She's just making noises. Yeah? Oh, come on, man. You were around speaking in tongues plenty. I know I got kicked out of school because I couldn't do it. (laughs) 
it, it, it's improvised. Yeah, you do. You just go. And then you pass. Uh, you, then you pass speaking in tongues class, which I literally had a class called speaking in tongues class. Really? Oh yeah. Try it. I hate this fucking school. I don't believe anything about this religion. I hate my parents for sending me here. I will be leaving. It's allowed. It's allowed. He can say it is It is speaking in tongues class. And now we'll learn where the clitoris is. <laughs> no, they did not have that class at the Christian school I went to. I'll tell you that. <laughs> now, as far as animal life on Lemuria went, the only life forms that had developed at the time were birds, amphibians, and primitive mammals. However, all of them were giant in size. So... Big parrots, big frogs, big rats. Oh, I just call them rats, frogs, and parrots <laughs> because I'm big. It's kind of fun and cute, though, again. It's cute. Yeah, that, yeah you would fit it right out there, but you would be small to them. I know. Yeah. That's what I'm kind of thinking. That's kind of a fantasy of mine. Now, the people of Lemuria could also communicate to, telepathically with dolphins using oh. the dolphins' own language called the dolphin codes. Cool. Yeah, which is also a book just all written in a... <laughs> Soon to come up by Dan Brown. Oh, the Miami Dolphins should use a little bit of that dolphin code so they could score a touchdown. No sports so then they can score here. touchdowns no better if they have the their dolphin expose. Then they're playing the Ravens and the Ravens are out there. They're like, you know. Well, the the Ravens and the Baltimore Ravens are about the size of the Ravens that would Bring be on Lemuria. It's all coming yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> Queen Moo. <laughs> now, these guys were also equipped with what is known as a Kunda buffer. A Kunda buffer, <laughs> according to Gnostic Esoteric Study Workaids.blogspot.com, uh. <laughs> was a physical organ located on the human coccyx. <sighs> Really? Coccyx. <laughs> My favorite part of the body. Now, Henry, what exactly um, does a Kunda buffer do? Thank you for throwing it to me, Doug. Me, um, I would say a the Kunda buffer was in the coccyx, and what it did was um, the Lumerian priest scientists, which may or may not have been once the Lumerians got solid. There's a lot of talk that the priests slash scientists slash rulers of Lumeria were actually aliens that were helping them mm. become solid. So one thing that they did was they put a Kunda buffer into their bodies. And what the Kunda buffer would do is they knew at any point they could release their physical form and join with Nirvana, join with the everlasting oh. peace and paradise that is the spiritual realm. But a part of the what they had to do in order to reach them up to the level philosophically and spiritually where they needed to properly inhabit the spirit realm, they had to make them obsessed with the hmm. material world, which is what the Kunda buffer did. It was a blobule in you that made you like TV, that made you like the, make huh. the circle all the other stuff like that make you like oh, iTunes, all that kind of shit. It's a blinder, maybe. Well, unfortunately, all good things must come to an end, and Lemuria was no different. Oh, because this no. is paradise, right? This was again, lemurs are everywhere. <laughs> Terry the gnome is up inside of a big, like, weird amoeba-like character. Giant parrots. It's a lot of yeah. like, boop, 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 boop. There's a lot. I still use Little Mermaid, but I imagine it all just sounds like the Little Mermaid. <laughs> it's just like fun and dancing and shit. But the problem is, is that with the Kunda buffers, it got them too into. The fucking physical stuff that they like, material oh, no. goods, material. and that's what punished them in the end. Well, that's one theory okay. as to why things ended, and there are plenty 
of different Whatever. theories <laughs> Whatever. as to how and why the entire continent of Lemuria disappeared forever. But most of them have to do with Lemuria's biggest rival, Uh-oh. Atlantis. Oh. Yeah, this is like the rich kid camp versus <laughs> right. fat kid camp. Technically, fat kid camp more fun, I'm going to oh, say. Always. Yeah. Now, Lemuria was in the Pacific, west side, and Atlantis was in the Atlantic, east side. Mm. Tupac versus Biggie. This is going on since the beginning. <laughs> and even funny. today, there are Atlantis people and Lemuria people, and they absolutely hate each other. And the Atlantis and Lemuria divide is for people that oh. are broken, that um, can't, and it's really just about what you Google first. <laughs> If you look up Lemuria tales, you get a bunch of people say Atlantis is the source of the problems, which is the reason why the destruction of Lemuria happened. If you say Atlantis ta- fa- fables and tales, it says Lemuria is the source of the problem. All they cared about was material goods. I see. All, All right. Well, at any rate, the general consensus of the Lemuria side is that the Lemurians wanted to leave the primitive races of men that were developing alone without any oversight. This was about 25,000 years ago. But the degenerate Atlanteans... Wow, Marcus. I'm not calling that. That's from thegreaterpicture.com. Okay. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of research that went into this episode. I I see all the research. (laughs) They thought that it was their job to rule over all, as they believed themselves to be superior. Mm. Atlantis knows best, if you will. And it was also rumored that the Atlanteans were dealing in human slaves. Oh, my God. Well, they were using them for work. Because yeah, at the that's, time, yeah, they that's had what so like, is. What do you think they use them for, Henry? <laughs> <laughs> they were past them. It's really hard to say because it's not really slavery if you really truly are evolutionarily past. Like, it's not like human society you are. If and you're an here alien, we have Henry Zabrowski. He's on the Olympic. Uh, what's he playing here? Oh, he's playing the slippery slope. Uh, let's see here. Uh, and there he goes down the slippery s- Gold medal winner, Henry Zabrowski. Going down. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> So when Lemuria refused to fall in line, the most evil organization Atlantis had, the Sons of Belial, worked with their extraterrestrial friends who were either the Reptoids or the Dinoids or some combination of the two to destroy Lemuria forever. And that's important to understand, is that the Pleiadians were the ones mixing up with the Lemurians, but the Reptilians were on Atlantis. Okay. There's a part of it, and they're also deciding whether or not... The other problem is there's a lot of talk about whether or not Lemuria and Atlantis were actually a part of the same network, and if they were different city-states of a one giant country, or if they were entirely separate. That's your Minneapolis-St. Paul analogy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but Minneapolis and St. Paul, if there was an entire continent in Minnesota. between the two. But we'll just say Minnesota <laughs> is the continent. <laughs> Well, the Atlanteans and the Reptoids accomplished the destruction of Lemuria using the moon. God damn it. (laughs) Specifically, they accomplished this using Earth's second moon, as at the time, Earth had two moons. Oh. Malbec. <laughs> which no, is no, what no, it was Malbec, called. No, Malbec's something totally different. Malbec was a planet in the solar system You're that right. was destroyed Between and is now, is now the asteroid belt. Yes. Well, it's, this episode's making me want to drink some Malbec. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It's a wine joke. That's for our more wine listeners there. So what the Atlanteans did, assisted by their alien friends, was first to pull the moon into our atmosphere above mm-hmm. Lemuria. But they did it at night when everyone was asleep. (laughs) But that's when the moon is awake. (laughs) 
Yeah, but that's when it's there. That's when you can get at it easily. If there's a lasso involved in this story, I think I read a fiction, a fictional children's book back in the day. <laughs> it's magnets. How do they work? So once Moon 2 was in the right position, the Atlanteans blew it up, raining moon chunks all over Lemuria. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> yeah, dude. That's how you fucking do sip, dude, man. Moon fucking moon chunks, bro. So the ensuing earthquakes caused by these moon chunks ignited Lemuria's underground gas fields, which caused more earthquakes and volcano eruptions and so on and so forth, which caused the entire continent to sink into the Pacific or Indian Ocean, depending on what you believe. Which is interesting because that was a part of Churchward's actual scientific explanation for why Lemuria sunk, which was that seismic activity caused lava to reach these giant gas pockets that exploded underneath it. So that's them looping back in pseudoscience into Moon their folktales. Well, after Lemuria went down, the reptoids took our other moon away and, as we know, replaced it with an artificial hollow structure that still hangs in the sky to this day. I did not know that. <laughs> yes. You did not. Need, yeah, so you didn't pay any fucking attention during our hollow moon episode. I actually don't. <laughs> I, I feel I, I put cotton balls in the headphones and it's all a lie. I'm listening to the AM talk radio right now. Yeah. Yeah, Rush yeah, Limbaugh yeah, just, has a lot to say right now. Listen to Steve Winwood. Yeah. Well, there is, of course, another story when it comes to the destruction of Lemuria. The other story, according to themindunleashed.com, Starts about 14,000 years ago. According to them, the high priest of Lemuria got privy to some information that a great cataclysm was coming, namely the Great Flood of Yore. And by about to come, I mean within the following two to 3,000 years, give or take. They had plenty of time to tell everybody. (laughs) They didn't. Which is what I think is interesting. But a part of it, remember, Lemuria is a part of the idea of Lemuria is that it's supposed to explain why every single culture or quote unquote every single culture has pyramids, believes in the flood tale, believes Mm. all the stuff. So basically it's that this has gone on since the very beginning. So what is the most up-to-date version of Lemuria's story is that these priests knew that the flood was coming. And so what they did is that because Lemuria was such a peaceful era, it's such a peaceful era and perfect and and past us technology wise, you're like, okay, those of us in the know need to hide all the information that's important so it can survive the flood. Uh. And the place they hid that information in was us. They hid it in humans, in the cells of humans where it could be unlocked. It's in, in my your body. body. Well, they stored a lot it's of it great. in there. My goodness <laughs> gracious. Yeah, oh, yeah. It can be heard for miles and miles around. Look at that. Well, I was going to say they put it up their butts, but they kind of did in a strange way. So it's in our DNA. It's in so a, the well, more we unravel not, our DNA, is well, that right or am I It right? has to be unlocked through crystals. Maybe it's a paywall. Like a four ninety nine <laughs> paywall. Okay. It is sort of like a pair yeah, with crystals. crystals. And there's oh, okay. a lot of information starting. What part do crystals play in all this? I could never really figure that out. Well, there's a lot of different stuff when it comes to crystals. The idea is they use basalt again, and then they could charge it using their prayers. And there's another group called the Aetherius group that is from, from the late 90s. They all for the 50s, and it goes into now, uh, into the in, into oh god, into our time period. It's very they put their hands on the crystals and they go and then they put the information in the crystals and they bury them. All right, so we got to find the crystals. (laughs) Maybe they're in a skull. (laughs) 
Oh, don't even get it started I'm not on the fucking about it. The Crystal Skulls also play a part in this. We they do? Yeah, they do. We oh, just didn't been get ruined. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of stuff that doesn't get into this that we couldn't cram into this episode because it's already <laughs> longer than it should be. Technically, <laughs> the episode's five minutes long, except there's the story of Lemuria. It didn't exist. Guy, everybody, donate to Patreon. And so, what you have to do is put stuff into fill it. Fill it up, fill that, it in, yeah. Fill it up. There yeah. it is. So according to TheMindUnleashed.com and many other sources, the Lemurians went underground, waited out the flood, then emerged again, and that's where Native Americans come from. Very interesting, though, because I was thinking Chief Moonchunks would be a fun name. <laughs> it would really be fun. Chief Moonchunks would be a lot of fun, but Chief Moonchunks has been dabbling too hard in ye old peace and pipe him, <laughs> and he can't, uh, he can't run the meetings like he used to. He gets I really love those meetings. <laughs> Well, LemurianConnection.com takes it in a different direction. They say that when the flood was imminent, the Lemurians petitioned Shambhala the Lesser of the Agartha Network for permission <laughs> oh, to... Oh, <this>, that <laughs> poor guy. Shambhala the Lesser of the Agartha Network? This is just... That's listen, unfortunate. Listen, they, they should call me Shambhala the, Shambhala the Lesser, but I will say it is better than my friend Shambhala the Fatter. <laughs> and I think that's fine. I take it. I will take it. <laughs> well, to have her, he was petitioned by the Lemurians to build a city under Mount Chasta oh. in California. Oh. So they could escape the big flood that was coming. Remember, during all this time, right, the Lemurians are sort of uh, very like uh, the Democrats. They believe in big government. Mm. They believe in the concept <laughs> of a lot of bureaucratic red tape. Mm-hmm. So you got to talk to a lot of people before you get permission to build a, a fifth dimension different uh, it's a it's at a vibration that we can't see underneath you know, a mountain you got to get like i mean actually this is one of those like rare- a, it was more like a co-op board type of thing okay like because so they because they had to uh petition both the agartha network and the galactic federation of planets before you know, they could gain admission to the underground tunnels i think there's too much bureaucracy there's too much red tape but when it comes to building another nation or world Let's talk to people. <laughs> let's let's get a consensus. I think you should talk let's to just, people. You know, then we can go forward. You know, let's keep everyone in, in the know. But they had to prove the fact that they were not going to commit war at all. They couldn't uh. be aggressive at all. And then somehow they, I don't know, we did a lot of, there's a lot of yada, yada, yada yeah. here. But they proved it. <laughs> and then they managed it. And then they were allowed to build a fake real city underground mm-hmm. at Mount Shasta. And that city that they constructed was called... Talos, and they built that city using their mastery of energy, sound, vibration, and crystals. No Irish, huh? (laughs) No Irish. That's amazing. (laughs) Now, Talos was all ready to go by the time the flood came, with room for only about 200,000 of Lemuria's 63 million people, Hmm. making it kind of like Alternative 2 that we covered in the Bill Cooper episode. But even then... Only 25,000 made it down. Hmm. Apparently, the entire continent of Lemuria sank overnight, with most Lemurians sleeping through the whole thing. See, even though they had 3,000 years to prepare, it still happened just a teensy bit earlier than they thought. Hmm. So 3,000 years of pre-production. <laughs> yeah. And it still goes to yeah. shit. So just be like, oh, busy day at work there building this little world. Uh, I got everything. Oh, shit, I got an extra cork in my pocket. I wonder what I was supposed to do with this cork. Meanwhile, just a small... (laughs) Oh, man. Slowly floods. But as the continent went down, the priests left behind did their best to calm 
their people. They strategically <laughs> posted up small groups of themselves around the continent and like the musicians on the Titanic, sang one last song as the ship went down. That song yeah. <laughs> has traveled down through the millennia and is still sung today. You know it better as Old Lang Syne. The priests and the musicians that accompanied them sang the old holiday classic until the water filled their mouths, making it the last song ever heard on the continent of Lemuria. But be assured, the power of that song shall someday return, as said on the LemurianConnection.com, quote, Hear this well in your heart, my friends, these next couple sentences. Before our beloved Lemuria sank completely, it was prophesied that one day, in some far distant future, many of us will gather again as a group and sing this song again, with the absolute knowingness that the Earth's victory is won. There will be a man named Dick Clark, <laughs> who each year will oh, sing wow. this song. And we will know that we are truly absolutely Dick Clark. Miss when he was watching the ball drop, huh? <laughs> well, one of the, how Old Lang Syne got to present day yeah. is because the Druids oh. were a part of the Lemurian people, and so the Druids kept the song going throughout the years. They gave it to the Irish. Oh, and they sing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they sing. Yeah. They get drunk and they sing, yep. and they fucking they got lucky sticks and <laughs> weird little shorts, and they they love it. Great people. And according to a spirit guide from the seventh dimension named Kirael, who communicates through a guy named Fred, who runs monthly long distance healing healing workshops at Kirael.com, you can hear Auld Lang Syne yes. whenever you want. <laughs> he said, quote, If you want to hear that song, just pick up a dodecahedron, put it to your ears, and listen to it. You will hear God's song. When your Lemurian energy is raised to its apex, you won't need a crystal to hey, hear Fred, that I got song. The, I got this thing. I got Spotify. <laughs> Have you heard of Spotify? What? <laughs> yeah, it, it plays oh, all. Oh, dang and shit. There goes my memberships. <laughs> um, but there's also, um, it sounds like a lot of times they're trying to keep this up because they're selling oh, mm -hmm. various books in classes and meditation classes and different paraphernalia in order to um, uh, give people with no skills ah. a career. Because you have to look at like Aurelia Louise Jones who runs Mount Shasta Light Publishing. She has several books like the Talos book. She wrote several books called the Book of Talos. She now all heavily these litigates against any website that puts up PDFs or versions of her book or any information she has, and you'll see them publish it, and then everyone profusely apologizes to Mount Shasta Light Publishing about how, like, because she said, basically, I'm going to sue you into the ground if you give people my books for free. Oh, my. Sue her, sue him right into Lemuria. Yeah, it seems, yeah, it seems not very Lemurian yeah. of her. <laughs> One of those other people is Amber Wolf, PhD, who okay. can be found at AmberWolfPhD.com. Is she a PhD? I don't know. Okay. Uh, it's in her website. <laughs> All right. It's been in her website. And if she did, in fact, go to 12 years of school to be a PhD in horseshit, she <laughs> deserves that degree and should put it in the URL of her website. She's a PhD. <laughs> well, Amber also goes as Meleha. 
the quote uh-huh. last Lemurian priestess. Huh. Um, actually, it's the last Lemurian doctor priestess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amber's racket is to convince people that they are in fact already Lemurian, but that can only be unlocked using her products and services. Oh. This is what she writes on her website. If you wonder, was I Lemurian? Your question is answered in the asking. Not everyone asks that question. There are millions of people who have no inkling of any past lives, never mind lives as specific as Lemurian. Turn your question into an empowered statement. I was Lemurian. (laughs) And you have a profound opportunity to explore the richness of your Lemurian. In other words, you wouldn't be asking if the answer wasn't already there waiting. Am I Lemurian? Of course, old soul. Man, do you want a powerful vacuum that really sucks up all the dust? (laughs) Yeah. Then you might be an Amway customer. (laughs) Isn't that brilliant? (laughs) But just say, I will buy a powerful vacuum that sucks up all the dust. People are very scared right now and very sad. And it's very comforting to hear you immediately belong to a group. And it's not like the Crips where you got to get beaten. No. (laughs) All you got to do is just pay money. You know what I mean? It's like a cult, but a cult light. And then you probably get your pussy eaten every once in a while by a guy named Daryl that looks like everyone's stepfather. Something must be going on in there. Who knows? (laughs) And also, it's not that expensive. Like they re- forty bucks here, no. fifty like, bucks, you know, fifteen bucks. Okay. You know, you can buy uh, Amber Wolf PhD's Lemurian codes for activation card deck, uh, which oh. are, according to her website, are programmed through the crystalline Merkaba to connect the physical points on the body where the information of the Star Temple is stored, waiting to evoke Akashic memory. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's 15 bucks. 15 bucks. It sounds a little complicated to do your own, but luckily Amber also offers regular Lemurian Codes live activation seminars in Hawaii, <laughs> where she oh. lives. And even then, that sounds really nice. It sounds really nice, and it's only like it's like fifty bucks. All right, like, it's not huge, uh, and you know, if you want to try it, the next one is this December 19th from 3 to 5.30 p.m. It only takes you two and a half hours? <laughs> That's all this takes? That's it. it. Zip, zap, zap. You got it. It's easy. Wow. And it's part of a three-day conference or seven-day extended retreat called Return to Lemuria. Ooh, let's go. Now, you know, we just barely, I would, first of all, us on the beach with all these people. Oh, I think phenomenal. Yes. I think it would be a lot of fun. To go hang out with these people, I think they get good and drunk. I think yep. it's a funny crowd. I uh, There's a lot to unpack here, and we skipped yeah. a lot of stuff, unfortunately, which is well, really well, even sad if you think about how much stuff there. It's very yeah. complicated. Um, but I do think that it's important to question the beginning. There is a prehistory. There are a lot of stuff. So what we're talking about, so remember that this is all the Silmarillion, right, of the planet Earth. All of this is the pre-story before the actual ancient alien story mm. of Sumeria. So all of this is just stuff that's cool to know. It's like, oh, you like ancient aliens? Then you better read. It's like an Amazon yeah. recommendation of, of of stuff to to read further that can just sure. confuse you. And I'm make not you kind sure of upset. if it's cool to know. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not like rock and roll history or, you know, you're not learning a lot about like... Uh, uh, if you want to bang out 
any woman or man alone in an Applebee's bar in Sacramento, California. <laughs> That's how you do it. I mean, Applebee's I swear is to God, advertising like, $1 Long Island iced teas every Friday in December. So Ooh, they're just oh waiting for God. a lawsuit. Oh, Whatever oh brilliant general manager oh. came up with that disgusting idea. Oh my God. But yes, in is that there, world, that this after $3 what? worth of Long Island iced teas, maybe this conversation works. Oh, there has to be a limit. There has to be. A, it cannot be one. unlimited $1 Long Island iced teas. Information society ourselves. The information's right there to be learned. You just gotta just go. I tell you, I saw a dinosaur the other day. It wasn't even fucking there. I saw it. Four dollars spent at Applebee's. That is how drunk you can get. All right. So are we? Are we? Are we done with Lemuria for now? But we'll come back to the subject later. I. I, I think we're done with Lemuria forever and ever. Yeah. Yeah. We're done with fucking Lemuria. Yeah. We're absolutely done. I don't want to ever read anything about Lemuria ever again. Yeah. And I I come up with this idea for the show. I wanted to do this episode. I know. I think this one's kind of fun. Yeah. It's it's kind of fun. It is fun. But we didn't get to the pre-Earth giants. We didn't get to space Jews. There's a lot of stuff in there because technically we could do Atlantis. Atlantis has a whole other subsect of bullshit that technically takes place after Lemuria. All yeah. right. Yeah, we didn't even get into like the what happened, why the destruction of Lemuria is related to the destruction of Atlantis. This is and, what I'm saying. We've got to do another episode. And like the eight, you know, the, the eight sectors of Atlantis and how they didn't uh, distribute the Lemurian priest correctly. Why did they? <laughs> Ascender Master is a whole other level of horseshit too, and it connects to Scientology. There's a lot of stuff that's in there too. So. Why don't you just go do it? <laughs> you right. look it up. I'll, you go I'll research it, it and put it in your heads for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I just want to uh, – one more science fact. If you put air in sand, it moves like water. I saw You a just saw that on Reddit a couple days ago. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. And yes. a person sat in a hot you just tub watching made of this sand. Weird... It was so cool. Yes. It really was awesome. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's got to get up there. It makes a pearl somewhere, but, yeah. Be yeah, you would look like one of those big sandworms from Dune yeah. filled with beer. Well, cor- yeah, cork it up. You don't want to get any, uh, you know. But anyway, all right. Well, great episode. Very fun stuff. What do we want to do here? We want to thank everyone for Patreon. Of course, yeah. Thank we- you so much for everyone that gave. Uh, yeah, patreon.com slash last podcast on the left. If you want to contribute to the show, we appreciate each and every one of you that uh, that That's gave, right. no matter uh, how much or how little. Thank you so much. We we absolutely appreciate it. We love you with all of our hearts. And also, in the holiday spirit, we got a t-shirt out right now. Yeah. It's, uh, what is it? Represent.com. Slash Hail Satan. Slash Hail Satan. You, it doesn't have to say Hail Satan. We have one that says it, one that doesn't. But it's a really cool looking Santa Claus, not a maybe more of a Krampus. It's Satanic Santa Claus. It's yeah. a Satanic Santa Claus. Yeah, it's yeah. A Satanic or, Santa Claus. Yeah, it's, it's, more like a, Santa, it's more like Satan with a Santa Claus hat. Yep. So check out that shirt. Uh, get out there and buy it. That's <laughs> limited time only. And in uh, all the shirts on our on our merch page. Oh yeah, yeah just get uh, out yeah, there and go to lastpodcastnetwork.com and uh, check out our merch page. We got it. We've actually got a lot of new shirts. Uh, yep. We've got individual shirts now. We've got, if you want a Ben shirt, you can get a Ben shirt. If yep. you want a me shirt, you can get a me shirt. If you want a Henry shirt, you can get a Henry shirt. And you can get all. Get him Henry shirt. <laughs> yep, or just get all three for the whole family. <laughs> I'd also like to do a shout out to Murderfist as a bunch of my sketch group, Murderfist, that I'm still technically a part of because I would never say that I was not a part of it anymore. It's like we st- we have a bunch of new videos on our YouTube. If you ever want to check it out, I think they're really fun. And also, uh, if you're in the L.A. area, I completely forgot I was doing this show. I have a show tomorrow night with Murder Fist and Rue Battaglia, another old ancient sketch oh, group that no one's ever heard of before. Rue Battaglia. Yeah, we're... 
It's a place called the Clubhouse uh, in on Vermont Avenue tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Saturday, December 2nd. If anybody wants to come out and check out that uh, horse that shit. That takes right. me back, man. We'll I there. used to love the Murder Fist Rubitalia shows. Great that were shows. Done, what, like five, six years ago at the, uh, at the pit, at the old pit? Yeah, back in the magic days. <laughs> I got a uh, message here from Jessica Lovelace Chandler, a comedian that I know from way back in the day. She wants to give a shout-out to Jim Hummel. So I will say, Jim Hummel, uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Well, thank you guys so much. Fo- follow us on Twitter at Henry Loves You, at Marcus Parks, at Ben Kissel. Yep. Follow us on Instagram at Dr. Fantasty, at Marcus Parks, at Ben Kissel, the number one. Uh-oh. And follow us on all of the heinous bullshit at LP on the left. I wish that the... The fucking solar flare that was going to destroy the internet would come. Yep. Uh, all right. And uh, <laughs> but check until out- then, it's our uh, it's our only means of making money. That's so. Right. Uh, be yes. sure to yes, support please. net neutrality. Absolutely. And of course, the last podcast please. network, Abling is top at everything political. Uh, I know you can listen to me every night as well for this month on uh, F- on Sirius Channel 450. That's kind of fun, too. Um, uh, page seven, Sex and the Human Activities. What else do we want to plug? Wizard uh, and the Bruiser. Wizard and the Bruiser. Just all the shows. Just oh, check yeah. them out. And- Escuela Sangre. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, everyone, hail yourselves. Try to say the name again. Try to me? say the name one more time. Marcus, say it one time. Yes. No, you say it. No, you say it. No, he's asking you. No, es- I know. Escuela Sangre. Garden of Eaton, three ninety nine <laughs> Friday is all that's you like, can That's going to be your chain. That's going to be your Chuck Berry like chain of foods. <laughs> like like when you're in your fifties. I'm like the Chuck Berry of last podcast. Do you know what Chuck Berry was doing <laughs> in the bathroom? Yeah, well, I Garden of Eaton, three ninety nine Fridays. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gene. Hail me, if you would. Magustalations. <laughs>